0: All right, this is uh, week six. (gasps) (sighs) Yay. (laughs) For you, I'm saying for you. I love this, but I'm saying, oh, good, finally. Um, You guys never eat any of our food, and we bring it in for you, and nobody eats it, but the vultures do love it. We always bring it in for the vultures, and that would be the teen crowd that walks in here, because within minutes of you leaving, that is empty. So, I'm not kidding, stand around and watch. (laughs) Um, All right, good morning. Let's begin with prayer, and then I got a few announcements, and uh, we'll get it going. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these folks um, sticking with it for six weeks, and I pray that as you, uh, as they consider uh, this church, uh, you would give them clear guidance. Whether this is the place for them or not, um, we trust you. Uh, You're sovereign. You're sovereign over the entire church. And uh, we're just one small portion of it. So we trust you to to work in their hearts and in our hearts. And pray that you'll help me today uh, be clear. pray that you'll help Alex uh, to be clear. And uh, we love you, and we're grateful for what you've done in our lives, um, shedding your blood on our behalf so that we have hope uh, outside of this messed up world. And we are grateful for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, um, today uh, we've got Alex uh, Mastro Leonardo. It took me a long time to get that down. That's a lot of syllables, Mastro Leonardo. Uh, I think of it as Maestro. That's how I remember it, Mastro Leonardo. Uh, you can tell he looks as Italian as his name is, and he'll tell you more about his uh, his background. Uh, Before we do that tonight is the food truck night. If you aren't aware of that, it's one of the most fun nights we have Uh, Unfortunately, it's gonna be 150 degrees outside and we usually I don't know what they'll do today. They'll probably have some some uh, Set up in here uh, to help Um, I'm not sure to keep some of the older folks, you know, like moi um, out of the heat but they usually do it right here. There's shade there by that time of the day, and we bring in fans. So don't let, don't let the heat deter you from coming. It's a great time. It will be hot, um, but it is a fun time, and you'll see baptisms, which is one of my favorite services, is the baptismal services. So I hope you'll come. Uh, there are, and then there's the uh, women's conference, and that is September 9th. September 9th. Uh, yeah, Sarah. It's the same day as my fiftieth graduation reception ceremony, whatever that is, high school, where we all lie to each other. <gasps> you look great. Yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah, who was that? Yeah, that you know that goes. <laughs> oh my goodness, he had hair. Um, so I think is that it. the The main announcements. Can you think of anything, Alex, that I'm missing?
1: I know, I don't know if Pastor Rich will be
0: mentioning it today, but small groups
1: are starting
0: pretty soon. Oh, yeah. something we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, and Alex is the point man for that. So uh, if you're interested in getting into a small group, he's the guy to talk to, and he'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. We start, we start, our, ours starts, uh, we're Friday, first and third, and uh, Friday of the month, and we start on the 15th. We aren't going to start on the Labor Day weekend. So we start on the 15th, and then it's first and third from then on for us. But there's... You can tell more about that. So Alex, why don't you come on up? Uh, you will you will be recorded here, just okay. so you know. So I've just got it stuck right there. All right. Okay. All right. Some we feel like, very oh, intimidated. Yeah. There you go. I'm gonna pass the this around, so mm-hmm. please sign that. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, well, uh, good morning, everyone. It's, it's great to see you. I, I know I've met um, a number of you guys, not everyone, but would love to maybe connect and say hi in the lobby afterwards for anyone that I haven't had the chance to say hi to. But as Doug is saying, my name is Alex, and uh, it really is a privilege to be here, to be serving in the capacity that I am at New Community. Uh, as many of you already know or are beginning to see, uh, this church is such a joy to be a part of, and it's really a blessing, even for me and my wife, too. I've been fellowshipping here for a little bit over a year now. Uh, Just to share a little bit about my story, uh, I was born and raised in Southern California, so that's where I grew up my entire life. Um, Both of my parents were immigrants, so my father had come from Korea, my mom from Malaysia. And uh, just, you know, small fun fact there, my uh, mom's older generations were some of the first um, Chinese people that became believers in the country of China, they were saved by uh the ministry of some of the missionaries that came over and so they were some of the first kind of village preachers or missionaries there uh, but kind of fled during some of the persecution times to malaysia where it was safer but uh, that's how my parents eventually came to the states and was born and raised there my entire life you know a very strong um, you know christian family and part of where that comes from is i actually never knew my biological father as Doug was alluding to, you know, I have an Italian last name, zero Italian blood. But uh, that was fun this year when uh, we went to Rome and really threw some people for a loop when they would see my passport or my credit card and think, how on earth are you a Mastro Leonardo? But um, part of the reason is, uh, you know, my, my biological father had actually left my mom when I was very young. You know, I had an affair and kind of had this whole other family already going. And so eventually my, my mom later remarried you know a, a man named Frank Maschelenardo this short bald Italian guy who then became my dad because I never I really had one growing up and so as soon as my mom had remarried uh, I just saw him my stepdad truly as my dad you know there was no kind of difference there you know um, the, the picture of God adopting us into his family um, that's exactly what I'd experienced through my dad here uh, we are just one family he sees me as his son I see him as my dad Uh, It's just been such a beautiful, you know, story ever since then. But um, both of my parents in that sense had gone through um, divorces where their spouses had left them in affairs, and so the Lord used those really painful experiences to really refine them. And so growing up, I could really say that my two parents were some of the godliest people I knew. Um, I, I could just look to them as role models of what it meant to follow Christ, what it meant to uh, fully uh, pursue him and live for him. And, you know, the Lord really used those horrible painful times for good uh, Not only for my parents, but then even for me and, and my younger brother as well So I uh, went to a great church growing up and again in a wonderful godly family and always being taught the right things and uh, We were really a family that um, had to pursue excellence in all that we did uh, My mom kind of jokingly would say, you know, she was a piano teacher so uh, being uh, the son of a piano teacher and being Asian, there was no choice about doing piano. Like you were just going to do it. That was going to be our thing. I was going to play until the end of my days, which I, I still kind of do now. Uh, but also, you know, and part of that is you know my family really believed in pursuing excellence, even in athletics. And so early on, uh, five or six, you know, my mom said, "Hey, we're going to try to try different sports out, and you're going to pick one and you're going to commit to it." And so I ended up doing uh, the martial art of Taekwondo for basically my entire elementary middle school and then high school years um, so very much kind of a high achieving high um, excellent sort of family um, but that also led to its own sorts of problems you know there's a lot of things that kind of went on for me in middle school and high school um, i was out also homeschooled the entire time and so uh, working through different aspects of uh, social anxiety and just friendships and how does all of that work feeling awkward um, feeling a lot of the pressures of kind of the high achievement on um, lifestyle that we were in you know some weekends where there would be a taekwondo competition on saturday and then a piano a competition on sunday and praying that your hands wouldn't break on saturday because you have to play on sunday but also that with everything is feeling so much pressure that i have to be a certain type of person i need to be the best at everything that i'm doing far beyond my peers um, and then also too i think uh, taking this um, class which was a christian philosophy course you know through biola university but Um, was really just making me question or doubt um, everything I believed about the faith. You know, I had this uh, Christian teacher, you know, I think even today now he's a pastor, um, but he used the first couple of weeks just, you know, asking us questions with the Socratic method, you know, making us to really think through the hard questions about the Trinity and all these different um, things that made us realize we didn't have answers for anything. Uh, So after just three or four weeks of that class, I felt like I was a person that had no understanding about my faith. Started to begin to wonder: Am I really saved? What does it mean to be a Christian? Is God even real? Um, couple of that with the pressures of the school and academics that I was pursuing, at times um, wish or preferred that I would even you know be dead. You know, picturing what it would feel like to hold a gun to my head and, and pull the trigger, thinking all the stress that I'm feeling of my days nonstop could just be over instantly. Um, so I, I think you know, even though we were in such a great Christian household, and again, two godly parents. You know, realizing that there were so many things that I was going through, that you know, in large part was just my unwillingness to open up and talk about some of the things I was going through with people in the church, which I know we're all called to do. And um, but I think through all that, the Lord was gracious, where as I continued to pray to Him, saying, "God, I, I think I believe You're real. Um, help me to truly understand this. You know, genuinely." Um, the Lord just, you know, used my time in His Word and, and in prayer to just confirm. Um, who He is. You know, it wasn't some kind of crazy supernatural experience, but as I continued to read the pages of God's Word, I just knew that this was the truth. You know, this was the way to eternal life, and and that I, I actually did know, you know, Christ, even if I had some questions that I didn't fully answer. And so, um, that's kind of what my childhood was like, you know, growing up, and even how I came to to know Christ, and just, you know, working through the battles that all Christians do. Um, Part of my high academic uh, kind of trajectory is I went to college wanting to be a doctor initially. So I chose my school, the University of Pittsburgh, for its research programs and science and all these different things. And after my first semester, I I realized I hated it. You know, very quickly on said, I don't think I can do this. You know, just even one biology class sounds horrible. I I couldn't imagine everything being, you know, just science. And then kind of had a a mid not midlife crisis, mid, mid-college crisis, right? Thinking, well, what am I gonna do? I have no trajectory, I have no skill set, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds. And at first thinking I would pursue academia, and so it was, you know, studying things like philosophy, psychology, and sociology. Um, but I found myself over those two or three years of uh, doing more kind of informal ministry through my church and through the college ministry than I was actually doing school which, again, for my family background, wasn't heard of. You know, if I had told my parents that, there might have been a mini panic, thinking, you're, you're spending how many hours in you know, Bible studies, meeting up with people? But the Lord was using that time, I think, to um, help me understand the joy that is you know, pastoral ministry and uh, really kindling in me the desire to be uh, pursuing that. And so it was really by my senior year, you know, after doing a summer internship at this church in San Francisco that I just thought if the Lord would give me the opportunity to be able to serve Him in a full-time capacity, um, I mean, just what a joy would that be, right? It would be such an incredible blessing. And so um, that's what then led me to pursue ministry. And then after college enrolled in the master seminary, you know, where I studied for three years. And then I was a pastor at a church over in Burbank, California for about four years. And uh, then the Lord used some pretty uh, tragic circumstances that were going at the church that be a whole other story that maybe I could share With some of you in a more private setting but um, just some really dark horrible circumstances that were going on there which made me realize um, it was time for me to resign and and i could no longer stay at that church and at the time uh, i never thought that me and my wife would leave california you know we were born and raised there and that's where our family and a lot of our close friends were you know we love the community and the culture and the food and 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 all of that Uh, but because of what happened because i did resign I was eventually in this place saying, Lord, I don't know where you're gonna allow um, for the next church to be, and so I need to, to be open to that. Whatever you would allow, I, I'm ready. And that's when the Lord uh, brought a new community church. I think, you know, never imagining that we would be moving to the Midwest or to uh, St. Louis, um, but the Lord used kind of that hard circumstance to bring us to a place that we never thought initially we'd wanna go, but now we're so glad that we're here. You know, We love the city, we love the church, uh, we're grateful for all that God is allowing us to experience being um, part of this local body here, and we're just—it's just such a joy to be able to serve um, in the way that we are. So grateful to be here as the the pastor of discipleship and connections, and you know, basically all that is is just saying that I help with some of the ministries to really uh, equip the saints. And Doug had alluded to some of that, but you know, that would involve the um, equip class ministries and. Uh, the small groups and some of the uh, kind of the membership assimilation process and and just trying to help people get plugged in, especially when they're first coming to the church. And so I would love to be a resource in in whatever way I can. I know I'm going to be emailing and and calling all of you guys after this class as part of that membership follow-up. So please don't ignore my calls. It is a number that starts with 805, which you know, it's from Thousand Oaks, California. A lot of people think it's an 800 number. And so they just they just instantly reject it. But um, that is my number. And, um, you know, would love just to be able to walk you guys through the process after the class there. And so, um, you know, part of what um, Doug was asking me to do, which really is a joy for me, is, you know, trying to um, answer the question of what can it look like to really get plugged into the church body here? And uh, I know a number of you guys already are. But for those of you that are maybe newer to the church or you've mostly been attending just on Sunday mornings, I um, would love to be a resource in pointing you in some of those directions. Uh, I know um, Doug has talked about this and will later today, but, you know, the Christian life can't be lived as an island, right? You know, we can't just live that lone ranger Christian life where it's just us on our own. We, we need the body to sharpen one another, right? You know, we need other believers to stir us up to love and get deeds, which is why we're here on Sunday mornings. But... That's also why we gather throughout the week. We're in each other's lives, um, bearing one another's burdens. And, and that's really the joy that we have through the ministries here in New Community. And uh, some of the, the ones that I love to highlight just to, especially if you're you're newer to the church, is obviously the equip classes, which we have here. This is technically one of them. So great job, you're already part of one. Um, but you know, we would really encourage you, you know, after this class finishes to consider joining. An equip class that's coming up next week. And so every six weeks they're rotating, a great way to be able to not only meet new people, but then also be equipped in specific areas of the Christian life. And so um, please consider joining that. We always say, you know, go to the main service in the sanctuary during one of the hours, go to an equip class during the other. And that way we're just hoping to really build this culture of ministry here in the body. And uh, kind of the other area that we would really affirm is also small groups, which I just alluded to. with the size of a church as it is now, I, I think all of us feel it, it's hard to have a super long in-depth conversation with someone you know, out in the foyer, right? You might be doing it, uh, you can't hear each other, you know, you're, you're getting interrupted with other people talking, you know, but we need that kind of closer uh, relationships with people. And that's why we have small groups. Ideally, we love to keep them around 12 to 14 or 16, if possible, um, just to have kind of that bi-weekly chance of, of sharing one another's burdens, I'm talking about the sermon and what we're learning, what God's doing in our lives and hearts, and just being able to really pray for one another. And so if you're not involved in a small group yet, I would really encourage you to consider signing up for one. And uh, you know, if you wanna learn more about that, feel free to talk with me after this class. And um, yeah, so uh, you know, I wanna be here as a resource in whatever way I can. I know I'm gonna be going into the, the main service because I have an equipped class. I need to be at second hour, uh, but please find me sometime in between services uh, please find me just anytime on a Sunday or, you know, feel free to call or email me. Whatever way I can help all of you um, connect with the church, I would love to be able to do that. So, um, But just before I do head out, are there any questions you guys have, either about I know it was kind of a lot, you know, my story or just some of the, the ministries I mentioned or just ways that um, I could help you guys get more plugged in? I have one.
0: Yeah, please. Um, first of all, your title is Pastor of discipleship in case you were wondering i don't know if we ever even mentioned that did we did you oh, that? just just briefly okay, yeah sorry yeah. you speak so fast I, it's hard for me to yeah i can't listen that fast. oh yes yeah, i really <laughs> appreciate it I, I one of the joys i have of having these guys up here is i learned something new about them and I've, they've done this what about five six times now as we've done this class so it's always a joy thank you mm. um is there anybody here that does not yet have the church app on their phone Everybody at all, everybody's got it okay. That's great, yeah. yeah. So, uh, that would be one of the main things we would want you to have. That's how you stay connected, you find out all sorts of things mm-hmm. about the church,
1: yeah. Yeah, all
0: right. Okay, any, any questions at all for elves?
1: No, okay, yeah. Um, are you married? <laughs> I am married, uh-huh. yes. Thank you, Lynn. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, yes, I might uh, so have forgotten. Small detail, <laughs> yes, yeah. very small detail, so, <laughs> yeah. So, you you've probably yeah. seen my, my better half, Cindy. She You know often is is wandering the halls or somewhere out there you know during the service we're usually together um and she is you know besides my salvation relationship with god the greatest blessing here on earth and uh, yeah so we had actually met um through my my brother's wedding when he was getting married so it's kind of a no pressure situation we were sitting together at the table knowing that we might have been interested in one another and uh, but it was one of those things where very quickly on we just knew that the lord was bringing us together i I was never one thinking that, you know, you would try to get married very quickly, but I think by the third date, you know, I knew that I was going to want to marry her, or at least try to convince her to marry me. (laughs) Usually that's the harder part, but um, yeah, she's just such a joy. Um, She has a whole other story that she would be able to share if you ever ask her. She had gone through um, uh, aplastic anemia, had a stroke, was half paralyzed, Um, a a lot of things that she had gone through, even at a young age, but the Lord really used that to, again, refine her. and, And... make her into the woman of God that she is today. So if you do see her, please feel free to ask her about that story. I, I know that she's more than happy to share it. Um, yeah. So, so thank you for asking that. It's a very important detail. Yeah. Okay. okay, great. Any other questions? Yeah. And two, I, I know a lot of what I shared was probably fast. So if it was too fast, just find the recording later on, and you can put it at 50% speed. And like, re-listen to everything that I shared. So hopefully that helps. Um, one, of the, one of the
0: things that Lynn said to Cindy when we first met her is, oh, you are gonna be my friend. And the reason is, she's shorter than Lynn. Right. So Lynn's like, yes, there's somebody else here that's shorter than me. So yeah, and Cindy, last, uh, last class, I'm sorry you don't get to see this, but last class, uh, we had her give her testimony, and it is compelling. Uh, so she couldn't do it today, but uh, maybe the next time, you want to sit through the last class, the next time we do this, I'll have Cindy come in and give her testimony because it is, uh, it's, uh, well, Lynn told Alex, it's better than yours. So <laughs> I'm like, my wife said that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you, Alex. Really appreciate it. Yeah, when he came in and we interviewed him right here in this room, I'm like, this guy is really smart, I really like him, Uh, he was humble, um, you know, so he's, he has just done a tremendous, tremendous job of connecting people, he's got a hard job, um, because it's hard to place people in small groups, if they want to be in a certain area, or there's some people they want to be around, and that group's too full, he's he's got to put on the hat that says okay i gotta help you gently realize we can't do that you know so he's got a hard job be nice to him <laughs> when he's interacting with you he's trying the best he can to put people in the right place he really is trying hard so it's uh... it's not easy he's a great guy i hope you get to know him take advantage and i was like wait food in california they got mcdonald's here what are you talking about yeah what are you talking you're fine But he is a foodie, he and his wife, unlike me. All right. um, Well, let's get started. This is the last class, and it's on commitment to love the church. We did last week. We started it, went through the one another's, uh, the importance of the one another's. Um, I I do want to emphasize, too, in the small groups, the thing that's beautiful about them is that people, over time, it takes a while to drop your guard, uh, get real and uh, that's where you really get to know people, their struggles. As I think, we've got a, our small group is just, we have that many kids. We have like 13 kids in our small group, let alone the adults. So it's really uh, probably a little too large. The only reason I, allow, I allowed somebody else to come in recently is because of the cohesiveness of the group that we built over the years. Um, we know each other we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, we know what's happening in our lives. We know uh, if somebody's um, depressed, we know if they're in the hospital, we, we just know, our, we know each other. Um, Lynn and I go through a book called, What Did You Expect?, with a couple of the couples in our group. We do it separately, uh, it's on marriage. If you get a chance to read it, uh, it's a great book on marriage, especially if you've been married a while. Um, I, I like to say when we start the class with these folks, and it's not a class, it's just a get-together because we're as vulnerable with them as they are with us. Because there's some penetrating questions in there that bring out stuff that, that we're realizing we're doing and we need to um, treat each other with more grace and kindness. But, you know, when you get married, you have these high expectations, you know, you're up here. And then slowly you begin to realize, oh my goodness, I'm married to a sinner. And they begin to realize, oh my goodness, I'm married to a sinner. And so the reality of the marriage is down here, the expectations are here, and I call the distance between that the gap of disillusionment. And if you don't get a handle on that and lower those expectations in a fallen world, you will begin to point the finger at your spouse and say, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem. When in fact, you're both the problem because you're both sinners. You both need the grace of God to work in your lives. So that's a great book. What did you expect? So that, that, what I'm saying is our, our time with those couples was born out of our small group. We saw the need to, to meet with them. And, uh, and so the three of the couples in our, our small group we get together with. And that's one of our favorite times. We, we do it on a separate night uh, once a month with them and just enjoy their company and we get to know each other and we hear about our struggles. And did he mention the depression and the suicide? Did he mention that? I thought I heard him say, did he held, actually held a gun to his head? Did he say that? Thought OK, that's new. <laughs> thought, about it. thought about it. OK, um, I, I knew he was depressed. But that's the kind of stuff that I appreciate because it's transparent and I I too have been there one time uh, where I thought death would be easier and uh, I have I mentioned that story here no I didn't Uh, can I take a minute to tell you about that all right I uh, when I was going through my divorce um, at the worst time I did not know that uh, there was another person involved and uh, She came home late, 2 o'clock in the morning. and I turned to her and said, I love you. Uh, I'll always love you. I'll always be committed to you. And the response was, I don't, I can't say I love you, and I can't say I'll always be committed to you. And that was like the lowest point. I thought, I think this thing is really going to be over. But I still didn't know what I was up against. And I called a buddy of mine uh, who was a pastor, and I said, ah, it's kind of late. And I was like, you know quarter to three uh, in the morning I said I uh, thought maybe you might be up uh, you know you because know, uh, I'm up and uh, and Steak and Shake was a 24-hour restaurant at that time and there was one near us between us and I said how about if I come pick you up I, I and he could hear I, I mean I was crying when I talked to him and I said I really need oh I just need to talk this through and uh, so I went and picked him up and but on the way that's when I had those thoughts uh, I was driving and I thought, I would rather not go through this. I'd rather be dead. And uh, if I just turn my wheel and hit a tree without my seatbelt, maybe, maybe I could just go home fast. Uh, it was fleeting, but it was real. Uh, the depression level was that high. I, I just wanted escape. It was very selfish. I've always said, suicide is a, a very selfish act because it's not considering anybody else around you and if you've experienced that I, uh, in your family maybe somebody's committed suicide I've had somebody in my family commit suicide I still say that it is, it is it would have been a terribly selfish act on my part in fact the Lord said to me not verbally but reminded me hey buddy you got five kids you got five kids Oh, and I, you know, went and picked him up. And, but that was fleeting. And the next day, by the way, I got a call from somebody. He said, are you okay, Doug? And I said, no. No, it's been one of the worst nights of my life. Oh, well, I, I want you to know that my husband woke up about 5 to 3 and all he could think about was you. Really? Yeah. And he dropped to, the knee, to his knees and he was praying for you. Really? So I wrote in my journal, best day, worst day god reminded me i'm right here i haven't gone anywhere and uh so uh, but one of the things i appreciate and i i hope you'll see it more and more is that you know we all come in we look good people say man you, you dress up nice you should see me during the week um <laughs> cargos and t-shirts that's it that's what i wear uh so try to look presentable but it's kind of a show you know we all come in with our best face on but uh people walk through those doors and some of you maybe too are just heavy-hearted heavy 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 heavy-hearted rich called me this week how's how's your day terrible you got a minute i just visited my sister who was hunched over with dementia um she's only 13 months older than i am and she's just gotten farther and farther down just hunched way over like this and then on top of that we're dealing with something in the family that's going on that's consuming our emotional energy and you know but that's not it's not just us right? Um, you guys are experiencing it too. It is life in a fallen world. Uh, and praise the Lord. We talked last week about encouraging one another. And the context of that in First Thessalonians was the context of encouraging one another with the reality that there's a hope beyond this life. That's how we encourage each other. We just know, hey, keep a stiff upper lip. Hey, man, it'll get better when it may not get better. It may get much worse. But there's an end game here. Uh, we're going to be with the Lord forever, and uh, that's what gives us hope. I don't know how people live. Do you? I don't know how people live without that understanding. And and well, I kind of do. They drink, they do drugs, they commit suicide, because life in a fallen world is horrible without hope. And we have a sure hope, a certain expectancy that one day we're going to be with Christ, and this will all be over, and justice will prevail where you see injustice everywhere. It will prevail and it will be wonderful. In the meantime, we have a job here, becoming more and more like Christ, which is why we do a quick classes. It's all, it's the purpose of the church is to love people, make them more like Jesus, help them grow in their faith and share our faith with others. That's what we're here for. And that gives us meaning in this life, right? Uh, so, today, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the commitment to loving the church. We talk, So far, class one, what is the church, we talked about that. We talked about a commitment to unity, we, we uh, dwelt primarily on doctrinal unity, but there are so many ways to create disunity, uh, gossip being a big one, uh, we, we really encourage you strongly not to do that um, although it's so tempting to those, those words to fall off our mouth and talk bad about somebody um, yeah that creates disunity but doctrinal unity is what we, we spend our time talking about <clears throat> and we made the difference if you remember between the fundamentals uh, who is christ who is the father uh, the trinity um, salvation uh, the, the exclusivity of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone we talked about the, those are the fundamentals. Uh, the Bible is true and inerrant. But then there's some that aren't as fundamental, like end time stuff. We all have views about that. Those are not fundamental. But we ask that if you have differing views from what we state in our church, that you not make it a soapbox issue. Yeah, that creates disunity. Nothing wrong with going out and saying, hey, what do you think about this? What you think? of course, my son and I differ, right? And he's a pastor in Austin, he, we differ on the end time, and we love to banter back and forth. Nothing wrong with that, but we uh, maybe walk away saying we agree to disagree and love each other dearly. That's what we would expect if there are disagreements. Um, And then the commitment to the reputation of Christ. Uh, I I wanna emphasize less about uh, church discipline in a public setting and more about personal integrity and fighting sin in your own life. So if there's those, again, transparency helps, um, if you're having struggles with sin in the quiet corners of your life and you're not telling anybody, no good, no good. You need to bring that out, confess sin to one another, and ask for help. Uh, that's why we have accountability groups for both men and women. Uh, this is where they really get real and talk about their struggle with sin and their fight to, to become uh, more like Christ. Um, so... That's really important, and then we talked a little bit about the public aspect of church discipline, uh, which happens uh, rarely, thankfully, but it does happen, where um, someone uh, that we've worked with for a, a, an extended period of time, sometimes a year or two, has demonstrated uh, an unwillingness to repent by both their actions and their, and their words. And uh, so we have to bring it before the church as the Bible commands us to do, uh, Matthew 18 um and that keeps purity in the church uh and so that's the third one and the fourth one was commitment to being led how do we run our church what is our church polity p-o-l-i-t-y just a fancy word for government uh what is our church government how are we led and here and it's it differs in churches but we believe strongly that the bible teaches that a plurality of elders are to to rule, and I don't I use that word just because we are the ones who make the decisions, but not without input. Uh, and we ask for input. We got some great input this week from some of our folks that have helped helped us to make a really important decision. So we don't just say, "Hey, we got this." We don't do that. We're We're not smart enough to know all the things that we need to know to make good decisions. So we do ask for people who have expertise in certain areas to to weigh in on on things. And when we do appoint elders, we bring them before you. Uh, We say, hey, we're thinking about so-and-so to be an elder. Uh, You have two weeks to confront them on something you think that they need to deal with and if, if they if you don't get anywhere anywhere there you come to us and tell us we want the congregation to be a part of that process because uh, we can we can only know so much about a guy I mean, he might work with you and you see him at work and you're like no way do i want him leading this church you know we may not know that uh, we try uh, so the church is a part of uh, the raising up of elders Same with deacons. Uh, Have you seen the process here? Have you all seen the process, especially with deacons? Uh, We've got, um, we're working now with some men, uh, hopefully to bring them along as elders because we need more help. Um, And so, but it's not something you do out of desperation ever. If you've all come from a church where you know people shouldn't be in leadership, you know how disastrous that can be um, because as the leadership goes, so goes the church. So we're very, very careful. We don't wanna ever say, we gotta have more people, so let's do so and so. No, we never do that. We go slowly, methodically, because we believe that's what God would want. So that's church, that's how to be led. And then last week we talked about a commitment to love the church, went through all the one another's. And then this week uh, we're gonna talk about part two, loving the church uh our favorite subject of all um what does it mean to be a, far, a part of the church to love the church uh with your with what god has blessed you with with giving uh, how do we do that well um the kind of giving that we're talking about when it comes to church giving is an irresistible response of a worshipful heart uh, a heart filled with gratitude for what god has done in your life um, the, this kind of giving uh, is not meant to be out of obligation, but a joyful, grateful response to all that God has done. Uh, let me just say that the church cannot operate without money. It just can't. Um, or, uh, we have to have income. And the Bible provides the way of that happening is through the members. Uh, uh, but, it's a, but anyway, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and this is a great verse on giving, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, Not grudgingly or under compulsion, you know, when the plate is passed, which we don't do here on purpose, um, you know, you're you're like, oh, no, I'm going to keep this back. Uh, And a a dollar bill floats in there and you're like, oh, okay, we we can give up that. No, that's not what we're talking about. For God loves a cheerful giver. That word could be translated hilarious. Hilarious. That's the attitude. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. I get to I get to give. I'm I'm able to give, and giving away is so good for our hearts. And I've said this to many young people who are just getting established. All, how how much should I give? Should I give ten percent? Well, that's not New Testament talk. That's Old Testament talk. Uh, the The New Testament talk is what I just said. As much as he has purposed in his heart. Uh, if you want to give ten percent, give ten percent. You want to do five? If that's What you can do, do five. If you want to do 50, do 50. It's what you've purposed in your heart. Uh, And it's based on Christ did this for me. He did this for me. I'm going to keep a loose hand with the things He's blessed me with. And uh, I like to say an open hand of giving is a deterrent to a closed fist of greed. Uh, People say to me all the time, when I can afford it, I will give. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. You'll never be able to, to afford it. It'll, you'll never get to that point. And we men, I'll mention the widow's mite in just a minute. No, the time to start giving um, is now, if you haven't started. You, you, if, you, if you're saying, I can't even pay my bills, give something. Trust the Lord. Step out. See what He does. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I was a single dad of five kids living on a mailman's salary. I could easily have rationalized, "Hey, man, I got to take care of my kids." I could easily have done that, but I knew that would be bad for my soul. Uh, I, it would take me out of the hand of God's blessing. I would realize, "I, I that's not, uh, that's not a faith life." So I gave, and I gave regularly, and I gave, and you know, drove old beat-up cars. Uh, I, that it's just that. It wasn't even in my mindset not to do that, because I knew it would dishonor God and I knew it would be bad for my soul. So you don't wait till you're ready, uh, till you can afford it. That's not a, that's not the right attitude. You just give what you have in your pocket now. First uh, Timothy six seventeen to eighteen says, "As for the rich in this present age, by the way, the context of this is money. Uh, if you haven't read First First Timothy six, uh, maybe like first six on." It's really powerful. Um, Those who desire to be rich, this is like verse 10, those who desire to be rich, and that word desire is they crave it, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many evil and harmful desires that plunge men in ruin and destruction. You see it all the time in the newspaper. A good friend of mine uh, years ago, was a was involved in a law firm. He was embezzling money from the law firm. Got caught, uh, lost his law license. The Post Dispatch uh, and and the Globe at that time. There was a second newspaper in St. Louis. You don't even know who the probably anybody heard of the Globe Democrat. My, yeah, you remember. On both front pages, this guy uh, plunge men in ruin and destruction, disgraceful. Uh, but it's because it was his love of money um, wasn't a Christian. But anyway, First Timothy uh, 6, 17 through 18, after talking about these warnings, uh, says, says this, Paul says this, as for the rich in this present age, and that's everybody in this room, everybody in this room, do you understand that? In this world, compared to the rest of the world, everybody in this room is rich, everybody. So it applies to you. Uh, Charge them, us, the rich, not to be haughty, uh, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So there's nothing wrong with having wealth. He just said, it's okay to have it. You can enjoy it. But the admonition comes there to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So that's the admonition. Um, keep that open hand. Look around for needs. Uh, your, your giving should first be to the local church because the local church is the heartbeat of Christ. So it should be here first. But then above, above and beyond, if I, know, if I know Jeff's in trouble and I just hear that, uh, I'm gonna try to meet Jeff's needs. I'm gonna do what I can uh, to meet his needs. Um, Lynn and I have given all these cards to people we know can't really afford groceries. You just look for needs, right? And you meet them above and beyond the church which comes first. So uh, interestingly, tithing, as I said, is an Old Testament concept tied to Israel, not mentioned in the New Testament, giving is emphasized through heart response. It's the worshipful heart response in the New Testament. Christ saved me, he died for me, he shed his blood for me. Okay, now I wanna live for him. Uh, so that's that's what it's motivated by. Uh, Lynn and I are in a season of, of being an empty nester. Uh, when we were married with seven kids in the home, money in, money out, money in, money out, money in, money out. But we never stopped. We never stopped giving what we had both purposed in our hearts to give. Now, now the kids are gone, so we have some extra income, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, but we're in that season of life where we're able to share uh, our resources a little more because of where we're at. So wherever you're at, um, don't think, I can't do anything. You always can do something. Always can do something. And it is a joy for us. It is a joy for us to be in this stage of life and to uh, throw our rewards heavenward uh, by opening our hands and sharing what God has given to us. Now, we can't take the money with us, but we can send those rewards on ahead. Um, It's said, you've heard this, that you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> uh, no dead people are going to carry it with them. Uh, you, 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 you leave it behind. Um, so before I begin with the seven principles for giving, I want to read a few Bible passages regarding money and our heart attitude toward it. Matthew 6:24 reads this way, No one can serve two masters. Either he, will, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I memorized this verse all the way down to to 634 at a very difficult time financially in my life. Single dad, five kids, things happening to the house that I couldn't afford. Uh, I probably had 200 bucks in the savings, $200, and some of you are going, how do you you live like that? Well, it was hard, Um, probably that. And so if a refrigerator broke, I'm like, oh, okay. Ah, what do I do? And then somebody would come up with a refrigerator. Just God always, always, always was faithful. Always faithful. Uh, He just was like that. And I was able to see that by just stepping out. So you can't serve both. Uh, Paul's remedy for serving God over money is contentment. Um, He says in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am in in, to be content. Remember, he wrote this where? where? Where was he? Where, prison. prison. He wrote this from a prison cell. I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low, which is what, where he was, and I know how to abound. When he was out, sometimes he was abounding, and in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty, and, uh, and uh, facing plenty and facing hunger, uh, abundance, and need. I've learned that. And then, you know what the next verse is? Misquoted like crazy by Christians. <coughs> Philippians 4.13. Anybody know it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see it on the sports figures. I can can score more touchdowns through Christ. That's not at all what the context is. Context is contentment. I can bear up under anything through Christ who strengthens me by being content. A couple more verses that we'll refer to uh, in just a minute are found in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. Uh, as I said, each one must give as he's decided in his heart. God loves a cheerful giver. So let me go on to the seven principles. I think these are all listed in your book, right? Um, the first one is prior consecration, Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Uh, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme pro- poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. By the way, I have found... That the poorer people are, the more generous they are. Isn't that funny? It's like I, not always, but the, uh, the like missionaries are great givers even though they have no money. Uh, it, that's, I don't know what it is. They've just realized it's not mine. For they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, consecration, and then by the, by the will of God to us. So and that's what the Macedonians did. They consecrated themselves first to God, gave themselves over to Him, and then everything they had was His. And they knew that. And that's how they operated. Second one, sacrificial giving. Uh, that's in 2 Corinthians 8, 3-5 through 5 and 9. Giving from your surplus is not sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving gives, uh, costs you something. Um, this is very convicting to read. The, the widow's mite, Luke 21, 1-4. Uh, Jesus looked up, saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and then he saw a poor widow. She put in two small copper coins, and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. They did it for show, by the way. And she just went, dink, dink. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. She put in all she had to live on. That's very convicting. Uh, some people have done that. Now again, I just quoted First Timothy 6. Instruct the rich in this life uh, to, to share generously. But also, God says they have been giving those, those, those things to enjoy. It's okay. It Just don't let them control your life. Money can do that just like that. It can control your life. Um, So, giving up something, maybe it's something as simple as giving up something you want in order to meet the need of somebody else. We'll forgo that vacation because that person needs money. Or um, we won't get the brand new car, we'll drive a a lesser car because that person needs some help. It's something that simple. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, okay, need, response, giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 and uh, Ephesians four twenty eight among others, are listed, I think, in your book. Uh, when a genuine need is made known, the believer understands that faithful stewardship requires giving toward that need. As I said earlier, you see a need, you meet the need. Uh, we have in our church a benevolent fund. So if you know of something and you can't meet the need, let us know. Uh, we have uh, a pretty good surplus in that right now and it's primarily for church members. So if, not always, but primarily, if we hear of somebody that lost their job and they, they, their electricity is about to get shut off, we're gonna take care of that. We're gonna meet that need. So please let us know. Uh, we have that, a benevolent fund. But if you can meet the need, you meet the need. But we do have a, a, a fund that uh, we're primarily we primarily, we do that for our, our folks. Four, uh, sowing and reaping. Luke 6, 38 and 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. The idea here is that you give generously in faith and God will increase your ability to give even more. Uh, This is a general principle, not an axiom. And I want to be very careful here because this is what the the prosperity teachers go to. Uh, I got a certified letter from Oral Roberts many years ago. He spent, what, back then? He spent a buck 20 or something. Now they're like five bucks. A certified letter I had to sign for it and he said God told me to tell you that if you give to me he'll give you a hundredfold so I wrote him back well I, I got a better idea you give to me and he'll give you a hundredfold how about that well why don't you try that uh, I, I was so mad um, because I knew that this was going to people who bought it they older women or folks they, they don't have any discernment and oh oral I'll help you and they Send their money in. Uh, he's fleecing the flock. So I'm not talking about that. But there is a principle of sowing and reaping. There is that. It's uh, the motivation is you don't give to get more, as the prosperity gospels teach. Remember, Paul lived much. much he wrote this uh, 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 in Second Corinthians. He wrote that, uh, and and he was writing primarily from uh, prison cells. So it wasn't working so good for him. If he's looking, if you're looking for a a prosperity teaching uh, that's not what he was meaning. Um, um, Paul lived much of his Christian life in those circumstances and remember he commended the Macedonians for giving out of their poverty. Uh, their giving produced great joy and um, uh, not monetary gain. So sometimes when you're sowing and reaping it's not just money you're getting back it's other things. The joy that Lynn and I experience uh, from being able to share uh, from our um, from the resources God has given us. It's just a tremendous joy to be able to meet those needs. Um, yeah, uh, Predetermined giving, uh, number five. 2 Corinthians 9.7, God glorifying giving is the result of careful planning, prayerful preparation. It flows from an inward resolve uh, rather than impulsive decision-making. Um, Lynn and I had a set standard when the kids were in the house. Uh, We got paid every two weeks, right? So, um, that's we would give every two weeks. We would uh, look at our paychecks. Mine fluctuated because of um, uh, overtime. Hers did not. Uh, And we would determine, okay, we had a certain percentage in our mind. Uh, We took that off the top and we gave. And we did it regularly every single, every other week. Uh, Now, uh, we get paid monthly because we're retired and... uh, so we do it monthly. But whatever it is, it's planned, it's thought through, it's not impulsive, uh, and that's, that's, uh, it's good for the church too because they can much better budget knowing there's a regular income stream. Can't always be that way, sometimes you guys are in sales and you know, and things fluctuate, I get that. But it should be uh, careful planning, prayerful preparation, thought through. Um, All right, faith-based giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 15, I've quoted some of it. God will supply all your needs, not your wants, but all your needs out of your willingness to give in faith. Um, You will have an abundance, verse 8 uh, in 2 Corinthians 9. You will have an abundance for every good need. God will, as you trust Him with your resources, He will give you more. And if you start closing your fist and building your kingdom, He may stop that flow but as you keep the, the hand open and you continue to give as he blesses you, uh, he will bring it in. That's just the way he works. Uh, it's not guaranteed, it's not an axiom, but we've seen it in our own lives. He just provides, he just provides. Um, uh, years ago when I, uh, when I was a single dad and I had a water flowing, bubbling up out of my easement in my front yard and I thought, oh no. Uh, in Brentwood, we're responsible for all of the water pipes from our house out to the main, which is across the street and in the asphalt. So I saw that bubbling. I'm like, oh, no, it's a broken pipe. It's me. I said, I can dig a hole. So I dug a foxhole, you know, uh, deep. I got to the water line, and right under, uh, right above the water line was a gas line. So they, they were like this far apart. Uh, I dug it out, I had to keep bailing the water because the water line was broken, and I brought a friend of mine who was a plumber over and I said, hey man, I, can you look at this and maybe help me out. I'm looking at, you know, I mean, $3,000, I'm going to have to dig across the street, turn off the valve, put the pipes in, uh, had, adds zero value to your home, and I've got 300 bucks in the bank. Okay, this is not going to be fun. And I prayed, Lord, I I got on my knees, Lord. ah." That's when I dug the hole. He comes over and he sees a coupling on the water line, coupling, right underneath where the gas line went over it. And he said, Dougie, he was my old neighbor. and He always called me Dougie. Dougie, I'll bet you the gas line, gas company broke that thing because there's a coupling there. Call them, just see. So I did. And they had a record of it. And the gas company came out and fixed the line. <laughs> I'm like, praise the Lord. You know, just beautiful things like that. I just, uh, oh, thank you. Um, and and it was such a, a faith builder, such a faith builder. Okay, um, faith-based giving. God will supply all your needs. Uh, I, I believe Philippians 4.19 says that very thing. And my God supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right, Philippians 4.19? I mean uh, this is, I'm taking from 2 Corinthians 9, uh, but you will have abundance. Systematic, proportionate giving, we've talked about that. Um, just being um, systematically giving is very, very important. A commitment to love the church, the people, then it's all seven, uh, is a commitment to love and serve one another humbly, sacrificially, and practically through uh, your monetary gifts and other things. Paul said in Romans 12, 10 to 13, some of which we covered in last week's One Another verses, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. And if we just do half of that, if this church does half of that, we're going to stand out as a beacon. And I think the church is doing much of this. Uh, and people are drawn to it. Um, they see it. Uh, I, I've heard over and over and over um, from people, and I, I know it doesn't always happen this way, uh, but more, um, far more likely than not, people say, uh, this is a very warm church. I walked in and I was greeted, and I, you know, people, I felt that people genuinely cared, and I hope that's true. I believe it's true. I hope that people feel it. Um, and you can be a part of that. Uh, just to start looking around um, for needs. I think I mentioned last week what Lynn and I do every Sunday before we come in here is we hold hands and we pray. God, turn our attention away from ourselves. Turn it away from ourselves. Now we, well, as I said, we had a rough week. Um, we could be consumed walking through the doors with our week. We don't want that. We want to be consumed with other people. We want to know how other people are doing because. Uh, we're not the only ones living in this messed up world, right? (laughs) We're not the only ones. So requirements for church membership. This is important. Uh, we're at the point now where you might ask what, why, what do we do? Well, the first requirement, uh, which is critically important is you got to understand and believe the gospel. I started the class week one. If you weren't here, I, I started the class week one, uh, with the gospel. Um, explaining the gospel, using my little gospel track, which I will make a plug for again. What is the gospel? They're right out there. Grab them. Uh, It is my favorite gospel track because it lays out um, what the gospel is. It begins with um, with God, then it goes to mankind, us, our mess, who we are as sinners, then Jesus Christ, the solution, and then our response. You can walk people through it but you've got to understand and believe that. And so to the best of our ability, that's what we de- try to determine when we have an interview with you. Um, and in some cases, very few, but in some, we determine this person's not ready. They don't fully understand what the gospel is. So we put that on pause and I'll talk about that in just a minute. So, uh, so that's the most important. You, you, um, you have to understand who Christ is and you have to have embraced him as Savior and Lord so then, then following that, uh, the following things require a yes answer to become a member. Rich will sell, you'll hear it this morning. We have five new members this morning. You'll hear these very things I'm telling you now. And we tell you now because we don't want you to be surprised then and go, wait, 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 wait. wait. That was a tough one. I'm not sure I believe that. And it puts you in an awkward position of saying, uh, can I sit down because I got to reevaluate. So we're telling you now. Um, and you you have to answer yes to this. So we want you to stand up there, as these people are, because they've heard all this, and answer with integrity. Yes, 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 with integrity. So the first one is, will you be diligent to exercise self-control so that your lifestyle exhibits both true Christian love and personal holiness? And let me add this caveat, which I believe Rich will add. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and His help, through the power of the Holy Spirit and His help, you're not just gritting your teeth going, I'm going to do the best I can. No, you recognize, all of you recognize your inadequacy, your inadequacy before Christ. I told you that in my my testimony, I've never felt so inadequate in my Christian life as when I became an elder, never. I still feel it, but it's not a bad place to be. It keeps me dependent. I realize I can't do this in my own strength and neither can you, excuse me. So will you be diligent with the power of the Holy Spirit? All of these have that caveat, okay? Number two, Will you faithfully assemble with this body of believers striving to maintain unity and doing all you can to stimulate love and good deeds in others as you seek to exercise your spiritual gifts in faithful service? Number three, will you consistently contribute as a good steward of God's blessings, such time, talent, and resources in the measure that God prospers you so that your local and worldwide uh, ministry of spreading the gospel may continue? Our local. Okay? Okay? Yes, 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 not sure, think about it. Number four, will you teach biblical truth to your family and acquaintances as God gives you opportunity with a desire to see them come to Christ and be saved? And of course, we do equip classes to help you with that so that you can share the gospel with people. We have whole classes on that alone. Uh, That was number four, right? Number five, uh, will you always be willing to both give and receive admonition and instruction with meekness and in love? Now, that's easy preaching, hard living. You got to be willing, humble to, to have people approach you. We just went through our, our lesson in Paul Tripp's book, What Did You Expect, uh, with one of the couples, and one of them was um, seeking to be lovingly honest when confronting your spouse and seeking to be humble in receiving what they had to say, uh, so both, both sides, and we would ask all of us to do that. Um, be able to lovingly confront someone, uh, even an elder, if you see something or, or hear that he said something, come to us, uh, or uh, obviously with respect and, uh, and then be humble. We would ask that you do that. Okay, number six, will you commit to praying at least periodically uh, for the following? Uh, The ministry here in this church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the elders, pastors, and deacons, uh, and for the lost who need the Savior. Will you commit to pray at least periodically for those uh, folks? Uh, When people come to me and say, I prayed for you guys this week, that is so encouraging to me, so encouraging to me, that our people are on their knees beseeching the Lord to help us because we need it. Number seven, will you follow the servant leadership of the elders of this church as they submit to and follow Christ? We're not asking you to submit to anybody, but those of us who are, and hopefully all five of us are, submitting to and following Christ so that they may keep watch over your souls with joy and not with grief. Now, assuming of course that our lives are in compliance with the character outlines that we mentioned in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So. It's really important. It uh, gives us great grief when people are not doing that. It's what causes grief to our soul. But when we see people who are joyfully uh, not only submitting to us, but walking with Christ, oh my goodness, it's so encouraging to us Uh, and to all your brothers and sisters around you. Um, And number eight, will you strive to maintain the doctrinal unity of this church, not promoting different positions that differ from what we teach? So again, that's You know, if you have differing views, nothing nothing wrong with a little banter here and there. But if you make it your soapbox and you're going to make people to believe this, it does create disunity and disruption. Uh, So that's important. So these same questions will be asked by Pastor Rich when you stand before him. So again, please consider them. Don't just blindly go over these. I want you to look at those and say, yeah, I, I can say with integrity, yes, 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 and yes, I can do that. Um, So, the membership steps, if that's the case, the membership steps, and again, you'll see it in just a minute. If that's the case, uh, you complete the membership class, which you're all about to do, Um, and we have asked that you complete at least four of the six. If you weren't able to be at four, uh, at least four, we ask you to come back, Um, and there are some in this room that have had to do that. They came back because they couldn't complete them all. So, what was that? Me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to call you out by name, but yeah, <laughs> she, you know, uh, 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 but she was willing to do that, and I have on occasion when somebody can't come, you'll hear one of the guys today, Chad Meeks, works almost every Sunday, he works for Waffle House, they hardly l- ever let him go, he travels, um, he and I had to meet at McDonald's for uh, hours and go through the entire book, uh, we'll make those kinds of exceptions, I obviously can't do that often, but I, I knew that that was his situation, he couldn't be here. And so we, we went through it together and thankfully he and his wife are now um, becoming members today. So that's, that's very exciting. So then uh, you fill out your application in the church app, uh, pull it up, you know, forms, uh, it's all there. Um, and again, Alex will help you do that. And there's not only an application for membership, there's also an application where you fill out for where you wanna minister. And Alex gets those and then he sends those names. We just started a new ministry called Cure Ministry, which is primarily hospital visitation. And we have a list of names of people that said, I want to do that. And so we'll contact them and and they'll be available, not often, but they'll be available uh, to visit. So Alex compiles that. So don't think it's going to be a waste of time. He does, and then he'll shoot your name out to various, the various ministry heads. Uh, it, it, that's why he's been so helpful. I mean, the, you know, the organization level that he's uh, shown us has just been so helpful in our church. Okay, um, after you receive your, we receive your application, an appointment will be set up with an elder. Uh, so the elder, it'll come in. Uh, Sarah will probably get a hold of you, um, church secretary, administrator, whatever, Mark Drinkard's wife. Uh, he's one of our elders. Sarah works for the church. And she'll call you and say, uh, give me some dates on a Sunday when you can meet, first or second service. And then one of us will meet with you. And we'll try to do it with couples. It uh, doesn't have to be alone. We'll try to do it with couples. And, uh, and we'll meet with you, and we'll go through some of the things that we've just outlined, um, uh, talking about. So that's the second thing. Um, you, you'll, have a, uh, you'll have a meeting set up. And if there are no further concerns after that meeting, the elders will approve and welcome you as a member of the church right there on the spot. You'll actually be, you know, it's like, we're, we're done here. You're a member, but we want the body to see now what, what we've already affirmed. Um, but we do have the right to refuse or postpone membership. Uh, and I want you to know that if any of the following things that I'm about to tell you are true, um, you do not confess Christ as savior and Lord. You're not a believer. Obviously we, can't make you a member of new community if you're not a believer, you're still thinking about this stuff. Um, and we try to be very gracious about that. Um, if, if I determine, and I have on a, two or three occasions, that the person doesn't really understand the gospel, we'll set them up with someone, that's what we've done, and they'll go through uh, either this gospel track or the book that's a little thicker called What is the Gospel? And we try to do that um, in a way where you can meet somebody one-on-one and then over that course of time, I'll hear back from that person and they'll say, I really do fully understand. They, and the person will say they do, they get it. Um, best of our ability, they believe this. They just weren't able to clearly articulate it. Okay, great. It Doesn't happen very often, so don't, don't worry. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. So that's one reason. Uh, another one is they, they don't concur with the important fundamentals of the doctrinal statement, obviously. if You don't believe the fundamentals can't happen. Uh, The third one is uh, have not been baptized as a believer. You have to be baptized as a believer. If you have not, you need to contact us. There'll be a baptismal service tonight. You won't be doing that, but there'll be a baptismal service tonight. You'll see that. It's a beautiful thing. Favorite. It's my favorite to watch. Well, hear the different testimonies, but you have to be baptized as a believer. If you've been baptized as a believer, even if you were sprinkled as a believer, that's okay. It's the important thing is you were a believer when you were baptized. We prefer immersion, that's what we, we do. We think biblically, that's correct. It shows the picture of what Christ has done in your life, but you have to be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, we set that up and we get you baptized and then you can become a member. The reason we make a big deal out of that, which I mentioned before, is baptism is the easiest thing, Mark Dever said, that Christ will ask you to do. If you're not willing to be baptized, then how are you going to suffer persecution for His sake? I mean, that's a simple step. Yes, it's a public step, uh, but if you're not willing to do a public step, well, there's so many other things you wouldn't be willing to do. So it, we really make a big deal out of it because Christ makes a big deal out of it. The New Testament makes a big deal out of it. And then finally, if you don't currently exhibit an un, if you currently exhibit an ungodly and unrepentant lifestyle, had that happen. A couple is not married, but they're living with each other. We have to take care of that. That's that's not that's not good. That's not fighting sin. So we have to deal with that. So if there's something like that going on, or you know, they're I don't whatever. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but if they're not currently. Then then they can be refused. But those are the four conditions. Um, the church will formally welcome new members in front of the congregation during a church service. You can bring your kids if you want but they're not going to be the ones that are becoming members. But if you want the, the whole church to know, hey, this is my wife, this is me, these are my kids, so the people can see you, uh, you will be the ones becoming members, not them, just so you know that. All right. Are there any questions about any of this or any of the last six weeks? If I can't answer them, I will direct you to Lynn. Anything at all. All right. Okay, uh, the one thing I didn't say, because I didn't want to surprise you, that this, this class costs $100. You can put that in the back, right back there, or put it in Lynn's purse. Because we're going on vacation, and, uh, and it would be the Hayward uh, Church Fund. How about that? Uh, yeah, we are, we are heading to Punta Cana. Punta Cana. Anybody been there? Oh, it's the Dominican. We've never been there. It'll be fun. And uh, we are really ready to go on vacation. (laughs) So I told my family, phone will be off, just so you know. Well, it won't, and they'll still call. (laughs) So, uh, but anyway, and that's that's what I mean. The Lord has uh, allowed us to do not only uh, give uh, uh, as we purpose in our heart, but He's given us uh, all things richly to enjoy. Um, We're so grateful. Uh, for what he's done for us. We are so, so grateful at this stage in our life. And uh, so uh, if there's no questions, let me, let me close with a word of prayer and I'll let you guys go. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Um, you are so kind to us. Um, I pray uh, you'll help me and Lynn and all the folks here to keep an open hand with the resources you've given us so we can look around and see how we can bless others. Uh, and bless this church Um, thank you Lord you have blessed us uh, immeasurably Um, we are those uh, you're referring to in first Timothy 6 as the rich Uh, help us to act like it and to be kind and generous toward others we are grateful Um, what you've done is beyond uh, what we could ever repay and we would never try Uh, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Uh, We will thank you till the day we die, and then we'll see you face to face and be able to thank you then and all eternity. Uh, Thank you for dying for us so that we can be forgiven and spend eternity with you. Gives us so much hope in this messed up world. So much hope. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.